1: Well, hello there, and you join us here today to talk about some of the watch purchases and experiences we've had in our lives that we deeply regret. These are our biggest watch regrets. Whether you're looking to buy, sell or trade a pre-owned watch, visit watchfinder.com. Please do click the link in the description below. It really helps. Tom, as always, I think it's always good to share the wealth. And when it comes to talking about some of the deepest and most hurtful impacts we've had in our lives, when it comes to watches, I think it's worth bringing someone else into that. Britt Pierce, how are you doing? Welcome back.
0: Hey, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Long time listener, second time caller.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm very, very pleased to see you in a more mobile state than I have seen you in the past. How has life been for you this year? Never mind watch regrets. How has this year (laughs) been for you?
0: Well, I've been describing this year as simultaneously the best and the worst year of my life, so some of the worst things have happened to me this year. Uh, If you don't know me as well, if you guys don't follow me, but I was hit by a car in March. But on the bright side, I've almost fully recovered. So life's good.
1: <laughs> that yeah. glass is very half full for you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very pleased to see you um, feeling positive out the other side. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. As you say, this is the second time you've been here, the first time we talked about happy things to do with watches and today i thought we'd talk about sad things to do with watches these are our biggest regrets um i I think sharing in misery is it's a very british pastime as well so we're very (laughs) grateful to have you joining us to kind of repatriotize you into the british culture of of sharing misery so why don't we get straight into it let you go first why don't you share your first watch regret with us
0: Yeah, so I've not been collecting as long as some other people have. So I only started watch collecting in 2018. I kind of got the bug, got into it. So I haven't had as many years to have big, big watch regrets as maybe some other people watching this have. My biggest one is a a very recent watch regret. I was recently in Germany and we went window shopping, looking at watches, which always leads to trying them on. And we were outside of a secondary uh, watch shop and I tried on, I'm going to try to say it the right way, German watchers and listeners. (laughs) I tried on, (laughs) (laughs) they're going to hate it, a (laughs) and Zona, 1815 from the year 2000 fell in love with it it looked perfect on my wrist it was meant to be in every way but I had to pass it up I, I was so close to buying it I was so close I have the money I have the money but it would have just made the next few months a little bit too tight financially we were I was just on the fence but I can't stop thinking about it it still feels like the one that got away i was in germany i found this amazing german watch everything felt right but then sensible responsible grown-up britney this spoke up and she said i don't i don't think we should do this i don't think that's how we should spend our money today
1: <laughs> yeah and now sensible brit is looking back and going do you know what if we had purchased that it would be worth more now oh that's a shame <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, Thanks. but and then there's also Party Rocker Britney. Party Rocker is always like, "Let's go, let's buy it." And she's just an inner child all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that one. They're like, sits on your shoulder and goes, "Buy it." What is it, <laughs> Tom? Um, again, narrowing this just down to watch regrets. I know you've had a lot of regrets in your life. Um, hmm. Why don't you share one of your watch regrets? Yeah, well, I'm I'm quite similar to Brit actually in the fact that I've I've not
2: been ingratiated in the watch buying league uh for very long um so i think my first purchase i I, I first bought a seiko in like 2018 or something and i just sort of impulse bought it on amazon i didn't really even think about it i didn't even check the size i didn't know the rules of the game andrew and i just bought a watch (laughs) that's like it's blue it's shiny and it's got look you can see the spinny round bit through the glass in the back and um and, and then I did that like two more times before even thinking about what I was doing. Like so, my biggest regret, and I think this is like something that you know you can heed my lesson, dear uh, watch enjoyer, and uh, don't impulse buy watches because you end up with like a drawer full of um, suboptimal hitters, should we say, or s hitters, um yeah, and and then and you, you kind of get lumbered with them because. Timexes don't really trade in as well as like some Swiss luxury watches. So, but there was one where I got I I was feeling a bit flush. It was coming towards the end of the month, coming nearing payday, and I had some money left over that I haven't hadn't you know spanked on Haribo or what have you. I was like, I'm going to get a G-Shock. There was this new G-Shock, and it really like tickled me. So I was like, yeah. So I, I bought this G-Shock. Just later that day, I don't know why, but I just. Suddenly decided to check my tyres on my car and realised they were all bald and needed changing. <laughs> I was like, "Oh crap! I shouldn't have bought that G-Shock. I need new tyres um, So yeah, but actually, I, I got it and it's uh, it's my favourite watch. I wear it all the time. It's um, you know wipe cleanable, so that's really good. Um, a lot of watch, a lot of Swiss luxury watches don't rate wipe cleanableness, um, but it's actually a really good trait for a watch.
1: I heard you get more grip when you have no tread on your tires at all. So, you know, win-win. Ooh, controversial.
0: <laughs> I feel like this is the least helpful podcast yet because Tom's watch regret is that he impulse buys and mine is that I didn't impulse buy. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> so is not very helpful.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Well, rule number one, we can classify that as whatever you do, don't ever, ever, okay? Mm. So, uh, to, to break <laughs> that trend ever so slightly, uh, my my regret, the first regret that I'm going to share is not... Do you know what RTFM stands for? Read the... Read, read the, the flipping. flipping manual. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I, I once, uh, early on in my, my, my watch enthusiast career working for Watchfinder, got my hands on a delicious IWC Big Pilot Perpetual Calendar... Now, I think for those in the know, that's already going to kind of generate some cringe because they can probably see what's happening here. But one of the really great things about the IWC perpetual calendars that a lot of the others don't have is the ability to set them with just the crown. So if you get a Patek perpetual calendar, it's covered in those weird little kind of inverted nipples that you have to poke with a paperclip that you can find somewhere. And each of the the dials changes uh, independently of the others. That makes it uh, easier to set up. If everything is out of whack, but the IWC, it goes, no, 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 no. Everything is always in whack. I think that's an expression. So yeah. you can just cycle forward and you go, I'm going to cycle forward from one day to the next and everything changes with it, which is really, really good. Um, and I realized that the, the the watch that I had was a few days behind. So I wanted to set it to today's date. I just wanted to see it all go round. So I set it to today's date and because I was clumsy and excited, I went one day too far. Doesn't sound like a big deal, does it? Like when you do that with a date, um, you can either yeah. go backwards or you can just go round again. So I tried to go backwards, they didn't go backwards, so I thought I thought I'd go um all the way round again. Except I realized, yeah, sort of a couple of months in that going all the way round again probably means like winding this thing forward several centuries. <laughs> and then coming back the other side and who yeah. knows I didn't actually get to that because that would have taken months of just sitting there winding this thing forward so you, 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 you know that that clip of Jordan Peele with the sweat just pouring down his face <laughs> I was sat there like that thinking the, the more I wind forward the more I have to tell someone and, I, I, and I, I tapped out I went to someone and said do you know how to get this thing to go back and they said it doesn't go back yeah the only place it goes is back to the factory <laughs> to be reset so this watch had to go off back to the factory um and i massively regret tinkering with a high complication and not having read the damn manual beforehand one saving grace in that story is that thankfully i'm not the only one in fact um i did it loads of times <laughs> <laughs> i heard through the grapevine that iwc like everyone gets one Everyone gets one, right. and you can have a free reset because it is uh, a bit problematic.
0: I feel like they have to make more room for human error with that. That's that's yeah. not a lot of yeah. wiggle space. Well, you,
1: you can. You can. If you kind of go forward a few and then realize you can't go back, you can go, I'll leave it to run down, and in a week's time, it will catch up. <laughs> not this guy. Not this guy. I'm going to brute force it. <laughs> so I was working in the... Uh
2: product in the in the photography department for watchfinder um when i started and um so we used to take pictures of all the all the stock that would come in for the website and there was a a point where some bods came in and they were like don't set the time on perpetual calendars, right? Just leave them, because obviously we, you know, set the times to ten past ten on the watches, so it looks, you know, like a smiley face or whatever that reason is, you know, and, and maybe adjust the date so that it's not between two dates, so it all looks nice for the for the images for the website. But they were like, if it's got a moon on it, then don't fiddle with it. I was like, right, And I think it's probably because of you, Andrew, that they came down on us <laughs> and were just like, don't touch these watches.
1: Yeah. By the third time I'd done it, I think they probably need to um, put some rules in place. Well, Britt, the the wheel has spun round back to you again. Why don't you unload another regret?
0: Alright, so I'm not going to do another watch that I passed up on buying because I do have one of those to come. This one, we're going to do my one watch regret. The one watch I sold and I regret it. I still feel it in my soul. It still bothers me. So my first ever mechanical watch was the Nomos Tanganta Houdinki Limited Edition. The sport one, it had the gray dial. It was beautiful. My husband got it for me as a Christmas present, and I loved it. So this was my watch that really pushed me into the deep end of loving watches. My first mechanical watch, it's a manual wind. um, And it was my little bit more sporty watch, loved it. And I sold it. It's my one and only watch that I've sold and I regret it completely. So I sold it to actually start my YouTube channel to buy a camera and some lights and those other things. I thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna back my own horse. I really believe in this YouTube channel. Let's go. Let's do it. So I sold that watch and it wasn't getting as much wear time. I was wearing my Black Bay 58 a lot at the time. But now as some time has passed, I miss that watch. I truly, truly regret selling it. And I I guess I could buy another one back, but I want that one. There is just something really special about that one. Yeah. And I, I, I truly regret it. And I haven't sold a watch since because I've been so full of regret. And I think if I sell another one, I'll be full of this regret again. Because <laughs> there's lots of watches I don't wear. <laughs> I probably should sell a And then as soon yeah. as I take it out to maybe start taking pictures, put it up for sale, I think, nah, I, I can't do it.
2: That's the same as mine. Britt and I are on the same trajectory. But mine's not a Nomos. Mine's a Kahuna. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of this watch brand, right? (laughs) I've not. (laughs) Is that like Big Kahuna Burger? Is that the same thing? Yeah, it's like a 90s surfer's wet dream, right? So yeah, that was the first watch I ever... So aside from the Casio um, F91W that I was issued, um, it was the first watch I actually saved up and and bought. I think um, a friend of mine had one at school and I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. It's like this... Uh, like it's it's sort of like a dive watch but it's got this really like 90s sort of skater dial and chunky bezel and then a velcro strap with like this kind of hawaiian surf motif on it and um i bought it from surf shack i think it cost me 30 pounds and I, I i think i bought it because i wanted to look like Drasik from heartbreak high i don't know if that means anything
1: to anyone <laughs> <laughs> I, why do i always get flashbacks to my childhood whenever i talk to you tom I'm stuck in the past.
2: Like the Swiss watch industry. So
1: <laughs> The box for this Kahuna watch as
2: well. It looks like the titles from Saved by the Bell. It's amazing. And then I uh, I don't know if everyone... Um, I think at some point in your life, uh, you're like beckoned back to your parents' house um, to go through your crap in the loft. Because um, uh, they don't want to l- look after your cherished possessions anymore. So... Um, Yeah, I had a bit of a clear out in the loft. Uh, Some stuff went on eBay. That watch went on eBay. And and then, like, you know, many years later, I started getting into watches and thinking damn, I wish I had that very first watch that I bought just for sentimental reasons. Um, And same as you, Britt, I could just get another one off eBay, but it's not the same. You're right, Britt, this is totally unhelpful podcast because this totally goes against the don't fill up a drawer (laughs) with crap watches, um, which is my first regret. Um, And now my second regret is I wish I had another crap watch that I used to own. Uh, So, yeah. Maybe just don't get into watch collecting
0: because there will only be regrets.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Whether you sell, buy, cheap, you yeah. will only have regrets.
1: <laughs> it's a ludicrous pastime. <laughs> uh, my, my next regret, Tom and Brit, is one that happened quite recently. And uh, it came around about a year ago when I first really properly discovered Christopher Ward. And anyone who knows me thinks I go on about Christopher Ward way too much. I do. I apologize. But I'm here for it. There was a point at which they were making all of these watches, and I was like, yeah, Christopher Ward, I'm aware of them. They they make these watches, they kind of look like other watches, that's fine. But then I was introduced to the Belcanto. And so I'm a huge fan of watches like um MBNF, Orverk, Debatune, just the, the kind of the crazy stuff, especially the LM101, the legacy machine with the, the balance that hovers over the top. For me, that is that's the exit watch. If I get that, no one can beat it. See you later. And the Bel Canto looked like that, but for a price that was incredibly reasonable. And so it was about a week before the launch when I got introduced to this thing and we put a video together and I was really excited to see it and see that it really held up to all of the expectation in person. Prepared the video, put the video out, really pleased with myself. And then I realized I'd completely forgotten to actually order one and they were all gone. And I really, really wanted the blue dial one because the blue dial one was the one that introduced me to it. They they had the green dial, I didn't really want the green dial, and then they did the series ones. It's just I I wanted the blue one. And it was it was too late. My own stupidity and excitement. I do this all the time. I'm so forgetful. Um, But in this particular one, I was like, yeah, this is this is the watch. This is such a cool taste of the high life. You know, it's like Prosecco to champagne. And yeah, I forgot to order it (laughs) like an idiot. So there you go. Um, Britt, why don't you jump into your third and final regret?
0: My third and final regret. It's another watch that I was offered twice last year in 2022. I was offered... The same watch twice because my name was down for it. I made it shamelessly known that I really wanted one. And then I, I feel like on podcast we're getting a little bit too into the nitty gritty of my finances. <laughs> 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 because both times they came up, it wasn't the right time to buy. We had just bought other watches and it wasn't quite right. And that's the Rolex Explorer. So the newer Explorer, the 36 millimeters, it's just perfect for me. I love the taper on the bracelet. I love the way it sits on my wrist. I have a black dial Oyster Perpetual as well, and they're pretty similar, but I've justified it in my head that they're different enough with the lacquer dial, the 369 Mercedes hands, and my Oyster Perpetual is 34 millimeters, so I, in my messed up little brain, have decided these these two millimeters are going to make all the difference. It's going to make it a completely different watch. Uh, so my name is still down for it, even to this day. But yes, in 2022, I was offered the Rolex Explorer twice. And I had to say no both times, but my money's finally in an okay place so that I've been going to the AD and saying, if these come in, like I'm ready, let's lock it down. But I'm worried that by the time the AD gets back to me, I'll buy something else like that along zona. If I had bought that and then they call me, because this is always what happens, I'll just buy something else. I'll be like, you know what? I'm never going to get the call. It's never going to happen. And then it's always like three weeks after I buy something else that the AD calls, the watch is in, but I'm not in the position anymore because I just bought something else.
2: It, would be my, it was my understanding that if you were to decline that offer from the AD, they would like just blacklist you like, no soup for you. That's it. How dare you <laughs> decline this uh, this generous offer of a watch that you've been waiting for?
0: I think different authorized dealers seem to operate in different ways because I'll hear really horrible stories in my comment section. And that won't be necessarily how I'm treated at my AD. But I might go to different Rolex authorized dealers and I experience those same things where you get like ignored, you feel, you know, about this big because they just make you feel so small. Um, so, fortunately, with our authorized dealer, they're really understanding that sometimes other things come up. And because we've been with them for quite a while, so my husband's been collecting watches since the 90s, we clearly don't flip them. We're really big enthusiasts. So, I think because we have that understanding and such a long purchase history with them, but I do feel bad for newer collectors trying to get in at the AD. If I wasn't married to my husband and I was trying to get in at the AD, I would have these same stories. I'm just very lucky that my husband's been collecting for a very, very long time.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like that's what they want. If you haven't been collecting since the 90s, then sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's your fault. You were only born in 94. (laughs)
1: Uh, Tom, I feel old and miserable now. Make me feel better by sharing some more of your regrets speaking about
2: uh, so i said earlier about how i used to work in the photography department at watchfinder um taking pictures of the stock for the website and um it used to be back in the day this was like uh when there was only about 30 people in the company it was very small um we were all sort of mucking in doing everything and uh, that sort of vibe and uh after after a day of photographing watches uh we I'd, carry the watches back to the the safes um, to be stored away and, and uh, secured safely overnight and um it was quite a busy period i think purchasing were buying in a lot a lot of watches so we had quite a lot of work we were sort of churning through uh, watches photographing them and um they were starting to pile up so at the end of the day i had like a, a tray full of watches that so was sort of like almost a mountain of watches in this tray like all all sort of wrapped but they were in like kind of bags and stuff and um as I was, as I got to the the vault, um, I sort of had to cradle the tray with one arm and then like open the door, and a kind salesman who was in the vicinity said, "Would you like me to get that for you?" And uh, this is my regret. Um, I said, "No, thanks. I'm all right. I can manage." And then, um, <laughs> just as I said that, this watch tumbled off of the pile and out of the tray and hit the um the concrete floor and there was like a tinkle and a crunch and it sounded really bad and um it just so happened to be a rose gold rolex like daytona or something like gem set and it was about two hundred thousand pounds or something i think like it was like ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> and so i like like six in my mouth a bit and like a bit of wee came out
1: but yeah, so yeah, that was um that was a bad day at work. <laughs> well, I'm going to share with you a regret that I've never told anyone before. And it's one of those regrets that I usually only remember just before I fall asleep. So that should give you a, a sense of the scale of, of how embarrassing indeed this regret is. So when I talk about getting into watches, I usually talk about my first proper watch being a submariner but I kind of dabbled before that and my first one was a U-boat like my first mechanical watch that I purchased and I and I kind of regret buying that but at least it got me into the hobby. So those are my most of my introduction to mechanical watchmaking but they weren't my introduction to watch collecting. So of course I had a Casio as a kid and all of that but there was a point at which I realized like my dad had this Tag Heuer and he was very pleased with it. And it was just a quartz Tag Heuer but he he loved this thing And I knew that there were watches and then there were watches. And this Quartz Tag Heuer in my mind was, those are watches. And so I remember seeing uh, advertised locally an auction. And this auction was held at Brands Hatch Racing Circuit in their conference hall there. So I thought, oh yeah, this looks pretty cool. I'll go along to that. Maybe there'll be a bargain. They were listing things like um, a bunch of different watches that I hadn't heard of and then Tag Heuer. So I went along to this auction and the tag hoy came out and they're like oh blah, 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 and i was like oh, oh oh, and it was sold and it sold for a really low price i was like oh I, I wasn't expecting this this pace this uh like the the frenetic backwards and forwards of an auction environment i thought okay but it went for really cheap this is au- this is awesome what's next and i looked through the catalog and they didn't have any more tag hoys. But by that point, I thought, oh, well, I want to get something. And so they had this other watch brand. It was something Geneve, And I was like, oh, this is probably as good as a tag Heuer. I, d- I don't really know watches enough to know that it is or it isn't. So I, I, I bid on that and I won this watch and I went home with it. And I was kind of looking at it and I thought, I'll do some research into it now just to check that this is all right. And I was Googling it and people were like, no, no, this is, this is just like a Chinese watch that... It's a nothing, it's a nothing brand. Like this doesn't exist as any kind of interesting collectible. It's not a tag hoyer, it's nothing. And the more I I dug into it, the more I realized that the whole auction was basically a scam. Now this, this place was filled, there were hundreds of people there. But what they do is they have one good product that everyone goes there for. They stooge sell that at a really low price. And then everyone else buys whatever else is left at the auction. And so the rest of us idiots were there going, oh yes, I'll take your stupid Wes." I mean, this is this close to the Victorian lotions and potions seller who rolls up with his truck, folds the thing down, sells all this crap, and is gone before the police can turn up. And that was that was the first watch of any kind of notable price. I think it was like three, four hundred pounds. But for me back then, it was such a ridiculous amount to spend on a watch. And the feeling of realising and kind of picking apart the scam was so devastating that, um, like, it still haunts me today to know that I fell for it. Like, I was such an idiot to fall for this, when you look at it, very obvious scam.
2: Well, traditionally, I mean, to be fair, it was an auction. Traditionally, it's like... I, th- I remember those back in the 90s, and it was out the back of a lorry, and it was with like electronics, like a Super Nintendo and a Mega Drive and a VCR or whatever. whatever. And, and then the stooges in the crowd would get those for like £10, and then it would just be a load of crap. But they'd sort of whipped everyone into a frenzy that you just wanted something, and you would just like bid on it, like bid on anything.
1: Yeah, it's exactly that. And I thought it's being held in a place that is contained within bricks and mortar this must be legitimate but no it absolutely wasn't terrible brands hatch that's why they'll never get the f1 gig (laughs) yeah
0: i feel like that'd be an easy one to fall into as well if you don't know watches as well which 95 96 percent of the world doesn't they see the tag hoyer on there so it is it is kind of a good scam i see what they're doing there oh that I, i i just feel like that's really that'd be a really easy one to fall into
1: Yeah, it very much pays to do your research. And I think learning that is what turned me from someone who might impulse purchase something into someone who takes about five years to make a decision. So (laughs) there you go, unhealthy at the other end. So there you have it. Those are our regrets. What are yours? Put them down in the comments below to make me feel a little bit better. Thank you so much, Brittany, for joining us today. Please do go and click on all of the links to all of her stuff and uh, support her great content. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're a listener, thank you for joining us too. Go and visit watchfinder.com because it means we can keep on making videos. And What better reason do you need than that? See you next time. Goodbye.